Thanks for joining us for Life Community Church. Well, good morning. My name is Liz, and yes, I am one of the lead pastors here at Life, and it's good to be with you this morning. Um, you know, Easter, next week, can you believe it? I feel like it went really fast. I mean, it is earlier in the calendar. Last, week, last year was like extra late. This year is like extra early, but it really feels like we just made it through winter, which I'm excited about, right? I've, I've uh, lived in um, Louisiana for the last six years, so this was my first winter back. And I feel, I feel glad that we are in spring. Now people are warning me that uh, we could be in um, pre-spring or whatever where, you know, it could whip us back to winter at any point, but I'm going to believe that the 50s and the 60s are a good place. <laughs> so I'm excited. So this is uh, Palm Sunday, right? This is the first uh, day as we enter into what the church calls uh, Passion Week or Holy Week. Um, and Passion means suffering. So this upcoming week, starting today, leading up until next Sunday, is the darkest week of Jesus's life, right? It's where we enter into the suffering, the journey that he took towards the cross. And that's what uh, the Reflections on the Cross is all about, right? It's, it's allowing you to enter into that story, to go through the stations, to kind of journey with him as he goes towards the cross and then is resurrected. And so it's a great time to kind of just, you know, reflect and uh, get into that kind of contemplative state where you're really thinking and feeling all the things that Jesus experienced um, this week. And Jesus, he tries to prepare his disciples for the events of this week. He does. Uh, specifically in Matthew 16, 21, it says, From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. So he's preparing his disciples, and yet it still comes as a complete shock. And so today, Palm Sunday, it's the beginning of this week, this journey of Jesus towards the cross. And today is all about the story of his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Um, and we pick up today's story right where Greg left us last week. And he did a great job um, talking about Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And we end the scene with uh, Mary pouring out this nard oil uh, perfume on Jesus's feet. And uh, Greg actually bought some nard oil, and I was so pleasantly surprised at how amazing it smells. So I've, you know, nard is kind of a weird word. I've never really thought about how it smelled, but it smells fantastic. It's just like flowery and beautiful and uh, really nice. So um, Mary pours out this nard oil all over Jesus's feet uh, as an act of worship and, and of love and ultimately anointing him for his upcoming 
death. And the, this miraculous thing that Jesus did, raising Lazarus from the dead, that news is spreading like wildfire um, around the area with the Jewish people and the surrounding areas, okay? People are so excited that Jesus did this amazing thing, raising someone from the dead. And all these people are traveling to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. So they are, they've are, there's this scuttle of all this news that's been spreading, and they're coming to Jerusalem, and they want to lay eyes on Jesus and Lazarus themselves. Okay? They're so excited um, for what had happened. And it's kind of like there's, as they're traveling to Jerusalem, there's just this sense of excitement and belief and of faith that Jesus, could he be, he really is who he says he is, that he is the Messiah. And because of that, because of all that excitement, the, the chief priests and the Pharisees are plotting to kill Jesus. And not, not only Jesus, but they're like, let's take Lazarus out uh, as well, because he's kind of in this mix of causing all this attention. So there's definitely tension in the air as people are gathering in Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. You know, you have people who are praising Jesus with much anticipation of who he is as the Messiah. And then there's this evil stirring in the hearts of the Pharisees and fear um, of really Jesus becoming this focal point. And Jesus stands in the middle of all that, and in his yes this week during Holy Week, during Passion Week, his yes to this week, to God's will, means our transformation. That's the end of the story. Um, but we're going to pick up the beginning of this Holy Week uh, in John 12, 12. So you can follow along on the screen or on your device or in your Bible. It says, The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and, and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, Praise God! Blessing on the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Hail to the King of Israel! And Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, Don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about this miraculous sign. And then the Pharisees said to each other, there's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. So if you were to go into a deep sleep this afternoon and, and wake up in your house and uh, see presents and stockings, around, you would be like, how did I just get transported to Christmas? Didn't we already go through that holiday? Or uh, if you 
took an afternoon nap and you found uh, baskets with you know the grass stuffed in them and maybe some chocolate bunnies in there, you'd be like, oh, is it Easter already? Right? You would notice those things. But what if you woke up from your uh, long nap and you um, saw that there were some Easter eggs underneath the Christmas tree? And in your stocking, you pulled out lots of chocolate bunnies. You'd be like, why is there these two holidays uh, crossing over at one time? What, what's, really, what's the message here? What's going on? Um, well, that's kind of what's happening in this passage. But it's hard for us to see, right? Because we're like 2,000 years removed. We're not really in that historical context anymore. But uh, the original readers would pick up on this. So we're going to help ourselves a little bit this morning um, and dissect the scene just briefly. So the crowds, they're gathered for Passover, which is the great spring festival of the Jewish people, right? And Passover celebrates the story of Exodus, where uh, God um, frees his people from slavery by the hands of the Egyptians. So God's people are in slavery, and he sets them free through many miraculous things. Um, He uses the blood of a lamb to save them from death, and then he miraculously allows them to cross the Red Sea, um, escaping finally, from their enemies. So that's what the Passover is celebrating, this great, uh, amazing thing that God has done for his people. Okay, so that's part of it. That's part of the celebration happening as Jesus enters Jerusalem. But then there's these scenes from Hanukkah, which are lost on us, I think. Um, And Hanukkah, what Hanukkah is celebrating is commemorating that God also gave his people victory um, over the Syrians. So now this is a story that happens between the two testaments, the old and the new. So in 165 BC, uh, a Syrian king named Antiochus invaded the Jewish nation, and he demanded that Israel would abandon their God, forget the God of Israel, you have to adapt all uh, the Greek customs and you have to worship me. So he sets up idols in the temple and he demands that they be worshipped. Okay, and so God raises up this family called the Maccabees and they lead this revolt against the Syrians. They drive them out of Israel and set Israel free. And Judas Maccabees was celebrated for the cleansing of the temple and for... um, the defeat of the Syrians, and all his followers rush and wave palm branches at him. And they become, the Maccabees become the kings, and they are, they are praised in this moment for being uh, victorious in their military defeat, right? And so the palm branches are this symbol of victory and defeat over evil and an enemy. And they're praising him as the new king. So Jesus is riding into town um, for the Jewish Passover celebration, where God is freeing his people from slavery and oppression. But he's also doing it in a way that represents Hanukkah, that represents um, God saving and freeing his people once and for all, that Jesus is going to be the final true 
king. And as this week continues, we'll see that he becomes the true Passover lamb where his shed blood once and for all saves us from death as well. So there's like this crossover of holidays being fulfilled in this moment. And there's this anticipation and excitement building as people rush down to get a glimpse of Jesus as he enters into the town. Um, in verse 12, it said that all the visitors, they gathered, grabbed their palm branches, they went down the road to meet him, and they shout, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God, also Hosanna, right? That's the, the word that we hear today as well. That means praise. So I, when I think about this scene and I think about everybody having this great expectation for Jesus being the one that will save them and free them, this triumphal entry, I have um, flashbacks to one of my favorite woo, kid movies, Aladdin. And that was one of my favorite Disney movies growing up. And Aladdin is this street rat, right, who tries to win the hand of Jasmine, who is the princess. Okay, and he has no right to go to her, but he uses one of his wishes to be transformed into a prince um, so that he can try to impress her as a suitor. Okay, and so I think about this moment where he comes into the palace uh, to finally meet her. So you can kind of feel in the crowd, there's this great anticipation of who Prince Ali is. Like, who is this character? Where did he come from? And you can kind of see on his face, like, eh, like he's really trying to be this person that he's ultimately a fraud. They find out that he's not who he is. He's not representing himself as true. But there's so much anticipation in the audience. And, you know, there is a similar anticipation as Jesus is writing into Jerusalem. But he is not a fraud, right? He is the most true king of kings that these people could have ever met, and yet he challenges their expectations. Um, they don't know it quite yet, but Jesus is going to challenge who, what kind of savior they're expecting him to be. And when they're shouting out, praise him, praise him, Hosanna, they are referencing Psalm 118. And this gives us a, a context for what they are really saying when they're, when they're shouting these things out to Jesus as he's riding in Jerusalem. I'm going to read Psalm 118, 25 and 26. It says this, Oh God, please come and save us again. Bring us your breakthrough victory. Blessed is the one who comes to us, the sent one of the Lord. And from within the temple we cry, we bless you. Now, the, the crowds are quoting, in more or less terms, this passage specifically. And what it means for them to quote this means that they believe Jesus really is the one sent from the Lord. And, and not only that, but they believe that he is bringing salvation. He is bringing victory. This long-awaited prophetic moment is happening. And they're really claiming him as the Messiah by quoting this. That's what they are pronouncing, which is why the, the leading priests are so mad. 
They're, they're peeved by this declaration by the people. Um, and, you know, the one true king you would think should come in, in amazing fanfare. But what does Jesus do? He goes and finds a donkey. He fetches a donkey, rides into town on a donkey through the street. It says in verse 14, you remember, Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming riding on a donkey's colt. Yes, he is coming to save his people. He's coming to be the Messiah and bring about his kingdom. But he's doing it in a way that is challenging the expectations of the crowd. But his yes for this Good Friday week means our transformation. That's where the victory is. But what they were hoping the victory was, was not in the transformation of their hearts. They were hoping that the victory would be military, political, that it would set up a new kingdom where the Romans are crushed and they are uh, the leaders. And Jesus says, I'm saying yes to all your praises and all the heart cries that you have, but I'm doing it in a different way. Salvation is going to come by, the, by means of the cross and resurrection. So he is coming to fulfill this long-awaited prophetic message, and he is coming to establish his kingdom, but he's doing it in humility and peace. That's um, what the, the symbol of the donkey is. It's a humility <laughs> symbol where they were expecting their military king to come riding on a horse with chariots, with the fanfare of Prince Ali, right? That's how he's supposed to come, in victory. But his victory is this humility, and it's paradoxical. And they're, they're trying to wrap their minds around it as this week unfolds. And they would have to have transformation in their own heart to see Jesus as he really is. Um, that his kingdom is being established, but it's one of love and of service and of humility, obedience. And that salvation is coming through death and suffering. That's how new life and joy is coming. Jesus is our humble king. He says yes to the Father and delivers us from death to life. That is the good news for us today and this week. And if you remember in verse 16, it says that the disciples had a hard time understanding these things, even though Jesus told them plainly this is what has to happen. They had a hard time wrapping their minds around it. They didn't realize until after his death and resurrection how Jesus was really fulfilling the, prof the prophecies written about him long ago. And so how does this connect to our life? Well, what, are, what do we do with our expectations when they don't go as planned? We have expectations about everything in life, don't we? And often we don't even know we have them until they go unmet. And then you realize, oh, I expected something different to happen or to play out in my life. And those expectations sometimes can hold us back from really experiencing all that Jesus wants us 
to experience. You know, when things don't go the way we want them, we can just like tap out. We can feel dis disillusioned and kind of just, we can feel angry or numb or the whole spectrum when our expectations don't play out as we have planned. And the disciples felt this this week as well. As this week unfolds, Jesus ends up on the cross. He is tried and uh, tortured and crucified on the most humili humiliating thing that they had uh, for prisoners, the, the cross. And he is there, and they, they are undone. All their hopes for the future are dashed at this moment. You know, they had these expectations and all this anticipation building for three years while they followed Jesus, and now it's just crumbling, and they don't know what to do. You know, how do you and I respond when things don't go as planned? When we are sick, when we get a diagnosis, when relationships are struggling and they don't go as we want them to go and seasons are difficult and we have um, a loved one die and unexpected things happen in our life when things don't go as we have planned. We, sur we surrender to Jesus. That's all we can do. Jesus, save us. We cry out to you. Help me with these expectations when they don't go the way I wanted them to. Give me eyes to see your kingdom and your will. Because, man, when we're willing to surrender it all to Jesus, he can transform our lives into a beautiful tapestry that we don't even expect or imagine. He can take broken things and he can restore them. And he can take ugly things and make beauty out of them. That's the Jesus that we serve and worship today. He's our ongoing Savior. He meets us in the midst of our pain and our struggles and our frustration. And he's not offended that we're mad our expectations don't go the way we want them. He's not, he doesn't withdraw from us because we respond humanly and we get frustrated and we're mad about things. No, he meets us in all those moments. And he leads us from death to life, from darkness to light. And we've all, all of us have come through this long season of unmet expectations, right? It's like, sometimes I feel like this past year and so some change has been like the longest and the shortest at the same time because I can't reference things like I normally do in years past. I can't even remember what last Easter looked like, really. I don't even know. I know I was at home, but I don't really know what we did or anything else. And we've been through a long season of disorientation, of change, of not things going as planned. And I feel like there is an over overwhelming just sense in society every t time I turn on the news. Be our Savior, Jesus. Ongoing, everyday transformation. We need you. And he is saying yes. And he is saying, I 
kept my eyes on the will of the Father this week. I went through the long suffering of this holy week so that I could give you a new heart and new transformation every day. He endures all things for us so that we can be blessed with life inside out. We can be freed from this present evil age. We can live with love in our hearts despite the hatred in the world. We can live out compassion like Jesus did. We can be free from the sin and the brokenness that we see all around us. And we can be healed and transformed. We can cry out to, to our Savior, save us, we praise you. We praise you for all that you have done, for all that you're going to do in our lives. At Life Community Church, we want you to experience the powerful, life-changing love of God. To learn more, go to lifemohammed.org, lifemohammed.org.